I'm Derek Wheatley and welcome to episode 190 of the Weekly Weekly Podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. Um, thanks very much for listening last week, by the way. Uh, it was a it was a kind of a, a very long project that I thought was going to take me two hours. It took me about four days. But uh, it, 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 if you haven't listened to it, it's all about music. Uh, my favorite songs for every year that I've been alive. And I've been alive longer than I look like I've been alive. And it did take me way too long to do it because I got a little bit obsessive about it. I really wanted to get it right. So go back and listen to that if you haven't done so already. Um, yeah, you can buy us a coffee and all that. Link in the description. Anyway, let's get into this week's guest. He is an MMA fighter and the head coach at the King's Court Academy, Andrew Barrett. How are you doing, Andrew? Very, very good, Derek. Thanks for having me on. More than welcome. I'm delighted to have you on. One of the people that I kind of, when I chatted to you, I thought, why haven't I had Andrew on about 100 episodes ago? It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) You know what I mean? It just kind of escapes your mind, especially when... You know, I'm following SBG and, and yourself and seeing you up there and all that. And it, it for some strange reason, it never happened. Um, I don't know if you've, uh, this is just kind of a random one for UFC fans. I don't know if you got to see any of the fight last night. I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I got to see Adesanya and Strickland and yeah, <laughs> there was some nuts, nuts. It's a, nuts. A very, like, I found out the result early on this morning and I, I was out running afterwards. And I thought to myself, like, you know, when you think through, big shocks and surprises in the UFC. That's got to be like right up there. Mm-hmm. There's, it, it was definitely a strange one. Definitely one you wouldn't necessarily predict, predict. Um, but the, like the adjustments that were being made in the fight were like beautiful. I think mm-hmm. like uh, definitely um, uh, Strickland's coach, Eric's probably not given nearly enough credit for what he does, you know, like, one reigning in a madman and making sure he's on the right path and then the other thing is that giving him the right strategy i think um i think personally what i saw was that strickland came to be adesanya and adesanya came to be adesanya Mm. and you know it backfired on him um i think at the level of the sport that those two were asked um, you have to be tailoring your game to beat another person. You can't just be coming in to be you. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, you know, probably something that's okay at the amateur scene when, you know, you're competing at a lower level and you're just, you know, you're changing all the time and people are having a hard time adapting to you. But once you hit a certain level, you're kind of a more finished product. People know what your weakness is. They know what your strengths are. And, uh, and they definitely, you know, they definitely exploited a lot of what Adesanya's weaknesses were. Um, definitely a lot better than I would have thought previous to it. I um, I saw Strickland. The last time I saw Strickland, he was fighting Pereira, who is a great kickboxer, obviously. Um, and he was terrible, Strickland was. And he, he stood there and he just like tried to just punch, punch him hard. And like people will appreciate that I know very little about, you know, kickboxing and stuff. I haven't done it. But you know, when you see, when you watch a certain amount of it, you kind of go, oh, that looked a bit better than the last guy I saw. And then when I watched the fight this morning, I was like, that looked like a different fighter this morning, Mm -hmm. uh, last night than he was, you know, whatever that was a year ago, maybe. And yeah, obviously, like, like you said, goes down to the coach as well. Like the the adjustments here. It's an important thing to remember that mixed martial arts is an art and, uh, you know, people always seem to have this misconception about art in general that it always has to be pretty and uh, Strickland's art is not pretty yeah. in, the, in the slightest um, but there's a big difference 
there's a there's a big difference between like you know effect and look and adesanya looks right and strickland doesn't but the effect on both sides are both serious and um and and again he made you know he made the right adjustment he put on a beautiful performance even if it was ugly in its own right (laughs) absolutely it did the trick listen andrew let's get into it so um oh we always ask the first uh, same first two questions can you give us a history of your upbringing please yeah of course um I was homeschooled my whole life, so um, the only time I've stepped in a school was, ironically, to teach at those schools. Um, uh, so I never stepped in a school to learn myself. Um, I was homeschooled uh, my whole life, and um, two things you'll know uh, about homeschoolers that everybody does know a homeschooler, they have two qualities to them. One is terrible haircuts, um, and then the other one is is they are always particularly passionate about one subject. They always find something that they just love more than anything else. And when I was growing up, I hated and despised sports. Like I thought they were disgusting. It was like hard work and sweating and it all seemed like a rotten idea. But the thing that I loved more than anything was um, games, anything that pitted two minds uh, against each other. So like, I remember like as young as four challenging like everybody in any house, anybody that visited to a game of chess. And uh, uh, I lost nearly all the <laughs> time and, uh, and I was harassing them constantly to play it. And as I, you know, I, I genuinely didn't care if I lost. I just wanted to like keep getting better at it, keep getting better at it. And uh, that and, and card games were always something that I was like, very very passionate about um I went to my first karate class when I was 12 Mm. and uh I remember them explaining to me just something really bog standard to set up how the jab sets up a right hand and I remember that being like my eureka moment like everything just like clicked in my head I was like this is a game I was like Mm. this isn't a sport like this is a game and um at that point I just like fell in love like you wouldn't believe like uh, like I went home and I took every book out of the library I uh, watched every video I could find I like tried to talk to every person that might even have the slightest interest in martial arts about it and I think that's something that is very unique to homeschooling as a way of being raised is that it does give us the space to obsess about something and obsessions nearly sometimes considered a bad thing. Um, but in this case, it was, it was definitely, it was definitely a really positive thing for me. Um, as I got a little bit older, um, I found that I found karate very restrictive. I was coming in with ideas because I didn't care where I learned my information from. I didn't care if it was Taekwondo, karate, jiu-jitsu i just would come in with these like takedowns from different sports and i remember like black belts nearly pulling their hair out of their head being like this guy again like he's going to come in with a new technique now i'm gonna have to give out to him and tell him not to use it and uh and i remember getting so frustrated with that i remember being like like this doesn't make any sense like we're drawing like imaginary lines on the grounds and trying to keep ourselves inside this box that just doesn't add up and um 
I kept going to different martial arts and every martial art had the same problem. It was like, you know, the judo guys only wanted to do judo and the cry yeah. guys only wanted to do cry. And then um, uh, when I was 16, I found uh, I found mixed martial arts and it just made so much sense to me. The idea that you come in with something and you're judged purely on the fact, does it work? That's it. Yeah. Does it work? And do you not ask any other question. <laughs> <laughs> that that's an interesting way to put it, actually. You know, like does it work? Because mm-hmm. I think you you hear a lot of new people coming in and, and I suppose it's not always an age thing, but I think sometimes you'll find with younger people it's like, but would this work on the street or would this and it goes beyond what we're really trying to focus on. <laughs> we're like, well, if he didn't have the gi on and he was wearing a hoodie, would I be able to, you know, and it's like, well, let's not like jump too far ahead. You know, it's like, we'll just figure out what we're doing in here. And, and look, and I understand. And look, I have loads of questions coming up about that. Just the, just the one thing on the, on the homeschooling thing. Did you feel that you missed out on anything? Did you ever feel that with like social aspects and things like that, that you missed out? Yeah, ironically, that's the first question everybody always yes, asks, um, is like, well, what about social? And uh, and the answer is always nearly the same, which is like, you know, do you like talking to me? Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are, are you one of those people that are like, oh, God, like, here comes Andrew again. I'm sure there's a few people that are like, oh, hey. no, not this guy again. Um, but uh, but um, I think... You know, people like point to maybe like a 12 year old that's homeschooled and be like, he's really awkward or he's really anxious. And my answer to that would be like point to someone who's in school that's 12 and tell me that they're not really anxious Mm -hmm. and they're not having trouble socially. Like everybody does at that age to a certain extent. You know, there's a rare few that don't, but most people do when they're younger. Um, uh, we we had ways of like you know making groups and making friends but i think one of the things that kind of is is very different from homeschooling is is that we never really had a sense of like age with us like we were there's no problem being friends with someone that was 16 when you were 12 there's mm-hmm. no problem being like friends with someone uh that was older than you younger than you. you talk to adults the same way you talk to children there was no like kind of gap in, in that kind of way um uh like I, I genuinely think the biggest thing that i've noticed is only benefit um, right. and the biggest benefit is freedom to um figure out and explore what kind of person you actually are um and i think a lot of times what i've noticed is kids only start doing that when they've just let finished leaving sir mm. it's like now i'm going to figure myself out now i'm going to figure out what kind of person i am because i've been ordered to a position and a place for my entire life i've been told what to do and now there's this like moment where it's like now I'm the one that decides what, what what to do, and it's kind of a panicked feeling for for a lot of them. And I noticed this with like, you know, a lot of the people that have come through the gym is like they get so much better. Like once they're once that pressure is like you know taken yeah. off them. Um, with those, especially the way I was homeschooled, we don't necessarily learn so much structurally. We learn um whatever whatever we're passionate about at that time and i'm sure you everybody's had this experience that if you're really interested in something you find it so easy to learn that um and if you have no interest in it it's torture 
Mm -hmm. And uh, most people don't realize that there will always come a point where you're really interested in something that you thought you'd never be interested in. Um, You know, like I always think of like, you know, when I was younger, like I didn't care about nutrition in the slightest. Mm -hmm. And if anyone started explaining it to me, I'd be bored out of my teeth. But uh, then I get a little bit older and fighting becomes really important to me. And that's the way to get to the next level. And then all of a sudden this thing that, if you told me when I was 12 to do this, I would have been bored out of my teeth. Now I'm a little bit older. It's so easy to absorb because yeah. I care about it so much. So I only did things that I cared about, that I loved. Um, and I think that's the gift that homeschooling kind of gave me was to be able to always um, learn and be passionate about whatever I was learning. Can't argue with any of that. Um, also, Andrew, uh, when did you first become aware of mental health? Um, I, I like, I always think whenever I think about something like that, I always think, you know, in two days time, I'll be like laughing at Andrew Barrett from two days ago, being like that guy knew about mental health. Like, yeah. you know, he thought he knew what he was talking about. And uh, um, I think the first time that I probably started becoming aware of it was when I was like 10 or 11 and um there was a lot of trouble at home there was a lot of stuff that we were going through and uh and I remember you know I was like especially from like 10 to like probably 16 I was like an angry angry little child you know screaming and shouting and roaring and crying and I think a lot of people if they took a look at me they would go like that kid's a headache he's a monster stay away from him whatever um but my mother's response was completely different I think she saw me for what I actually was which was you know a scared little kid that was annoyed that he didn't have enough power or control over the situation to help the people he cared about so much um and she was someone who always encouraged me to cry. And she was someone that always encouraged me to shout and to scream and let all of that out, not bury it inside my chest. Um, When I got a little bit older and I felt like I was finally at that point where I was like, you know, 20, maybe 21. And I was like, you know, I I get it now. It all makes sense to me. I understand this. Um, I like... I would know I noticed that every time I would lose a competition or I would lose a fight, um, I would turn in on myself. And it was like nearly like I was regressing back into, you know, you know, my my childhood. I was I was very like hateful towards myself. And I think that's something that's said all the time, and I think it's a great saying, is um that you should treat other people the way you want to be treated. But I think a lot of times that for a lot of people, that saying needs to be reversed on its head. It needs to be, you should treat yourself the same way you treat everybody else. And when I started coaching, I realized that when one of my fighters would lose, I would be the most compassionate person in the room. I would be upset for them. I'd be as upset as they were when they lost. I'd be there crying with them for what they were going through because I understood how much it hurt that they lost. And then I stopped myself and I went, why 
when they lose, are you so compassionate to them? And then when you lose, you tell yourself that you're a loser yeah. and you're not out for this. And you keep telling yourself you're special, but you're not special. And I used to say horrible, horrible things to myself. And when I switched that on my head and I realized all I needed to do was treat people the way I treated other people, um, ironically, I started winning everything <laughs> uh, because that weight was taken off my back. And I didn't realize it was holding myself, you know, uh, I didn't realize it was holding myself back. You know, I think it's like, you know, if you were born with weights on your back, you wouldn't know the difference between the weights being off and the weights being on. And then when someone takes them off that day, everything clicks and you go, is this what everybody else feels <laughs> like You know, when they're not restrained by this thing? Um, and then Again, I was like, I got it now. I understand it. You know, be a self-love, take care of yourself. I understand. And then I got a little bit older and I was again going through some stuff. And I, uh, and this was probably not even that long ago, I started going uh, to a therapist, a wonderful woman. And um, uh, honestly, most of what she does is call me out on my shit, call me out on things that I'm like, you know, I'm acting mm-hmm. and I'm not actually being really me. And um, something that I noticed was that, or she noticed was that I wasn't, I wasn't vulnerable with people. I was always kind of like, you know, I was always acting like the tough man. I was always acting like someone who had everything under control. And, uh, and because of that, I was denying, uh, it's quite selfish when you think about it, I was denying everybody in my life the satisfaction of really, truly getting close to me. Yeah. You know, I was just being, I was always like fighting through. I wasn't letting anybody in. Um, and I wasn't able to be the person I needed to be to help all the people that I loved in my life. Um, and I really feel like I let a lot of people down because I did that um and my biggest focus now is on being more open with people Mm. and um being more genuine and a lot of times you find you're you're afraid that if you tell people that you're vulnerable people will turn around and they'll belittle you for it or they'll pull you down and usually what happens what i've noticed when you're vulnerable with people even strangers is that they go oh my God, that's me. Yeah. And they, they they are suddenly able to be vulnerable with you because of it. Um, and so my biggest focus is on right now with my mental health is being more vulnerable to people, being more caring to people. Um, but I do know that like in two months time, I'm going to tell you, oh yeah, like I, I handled a lot of that and I've worked myself through that, but I found this new thing I need to work on so badly. Yeah. Um, uh, You know, it is a journey. It's not something that you can ever really figure out. And it took me a while to even figure out that I wasn't going to figure it all out uh, at any time. I think, you know, listen to you talk about like from when you were, you know, 10 uh, with these kind of feelings and, and maybe we didn't, you didn't quite understand them. But obviously you were thinking about them and you obviously think them think about them quite deeply now. Uh, I was thinking about them earlier on, how I feel since I started joint, uh, training Infusion. And it was six years ago today. And we were talking before we recorded and I was terribly nervous on the mats and stuff. 
And I try to think of my first day and I try to think of the last day I was in there, Friday. And the difference in my, uh, it's not really a difference in personality, but it's a difference in letting that personality out and and being, like you said, I, I think it's a massive thing for a coach. Um, now I teach a bit the fundamentals in jiu-jitsu. Uh, so a coach should be vulnerable hmm. because I think I can't, I personally can't go on the mats and act like I know everything. <laughs> so if someone says to me, well, I keep getting stuck in this position and someone's trapping my arm and I can't get out. I'm not going to bluff to them that I know what I'm talking about if I don't know what I'm talking about. And that's just a little, obviously just an example of vulnerability on the mats. When you think that, think back to when you were 16, you started MMA. Um, what do you think you've learned about yourself off the mats? Oh, if the match true martial arts. True martial arts, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, like, <laughs> honestly, like, honestly, like, so much. I, it's hard to even, like, rap. You know, I, I, I live my life so much healthier from it. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest thing is that, you know, and I always say it's the biggest thing I would give to beginners the thing i would say to all of them and hope that they learn it a lot faster than it took me to learn through martial arts was that um there's a big difference between um being hateful towards yourself and being critical Mm -hmm. and i find people mix those two up so so often you know people are like but i have to be hard on myself because they maybe see a lazy person and they're like i don't want to be like that person that person never judges themselves i need to judge myself um but there's a there's a huge difference you know when my fighters would lose their fights i wouldn't come out to them and go um you did everything right Mm. you're just unlucky because if i did that that's not going to serve them whatsoever but if they came out and I, you know, started dogging them and mm-hmm. told them they were terrible and, you know, they really just didn't have it and they're not really a fighter and, you know, we need the real people to come in and fight and you need to leave, um, I would destroy them. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a healthy middle ground there. There's a, there's, you know, there's, there's a difference between being critical where I sit down and I go, well, we did this, this and this wrong. And this is how we're going to solve it. So you don't have to worry about it. We have a plan laid out. And we're going to fix all of these problems. Um, and it's not something wrong with you as a person. It's something wrong with your application. That's it. You know, separate those two things from yourself yeah. rather than identifying as a loser, which is like, you know, a horrible thing that a lot of people do to themselves. Um, ident- like, you know, you you want to look at what you did wrong in the action and separate that from you as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's probably for me, it would be the biggest thing that I've learned from martial arts. It's, it's amazing that you put it that way because it's something that I do think about a lot and probably couldn't have put it as well as you did. But I think that that idea of, you know, we do, we can talk about competitions and then we can talk about training but in my mindset it's just training so it's not it's not up there at the kind of level where we're per se i'm gonna like really like you said dog myself about it but i think when i have a bad day training i'm like i immediately go to i don't deserve this belt or i don't deserve the stripes in this belt because this person's got a lower belt than me and he smashed me there and it's like Mm. it puts it puts this five minutes of rolling and then you 
create this whole narrative around it. And like, and I'm 41, like, so I can't imagine what younger people are doing because, you know, again, it's, there's different things to, depending on, uh, obviously male, female, uh, black belt, white belt, all those different factors that come into it. Like it doesn't really, um, change how we think about how we, how we are in the training and, and the way you described what, you know, about, and you described it in, in, in your first answer about like vulnerability and stuff. That's a it's kind of a wonderful thing to have w- with regards to, to MMA and training. Um, when you're training under someone like Kieran Davern, because he's, he's a very, you know, high, high level, obviously, yeah. uh, of jujitsu. We've had him on the, the podcast and he's been, he was brilliant to, to talk to. Um, how is that like training under someone like that kind of good and someone who's competing professionally as a jujitsu fighter? Well, like, to go back to the thing that you said mm-hmm. um, about you teaching and someone asking a question, the first time I realized Kieran was like, there's two things that clicked with me that I was like, Kieran's going to be my coach. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the first thing was I asked him a question and he didn't know the answer to it. And he said, I'll figure that out for you. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, well, I, I never had that experience with a coach before. I had like people bluff me and I'm a smart man. I know when someone's bluffing me and they're like, well, you see, and they explain it. And you're like, that doesn't answer the question at all. Like, why are you trying to pretend? I don't care if you, I'm just looking yeah. for answers. Yeah. Um, but they feel that, you know, it's a hurt to their ego, you know, and Kieran never had that. Mm-hmm. Kieran quite often would just say, I'm not sure, but I'll figure it out. That's a very good question. I'll figure it out. You know, and a lot of times he did have the answer because I find that when people put themselves in a situation where they tell themselves, I don't know, mm-hmm. they have a lot of the answers because they've put themselves in that situation throughout their life so often that they figured it out so many times. You know, the person who doesn't stick their hand up in class and ask a question, that's the person that's never going to get any better. Yeah. Um, and they do it because they're like, I don't want to look like the idiot that doesn't yeah. know this. Yeah. Um, uh, but, you know, the sad thing and the sad truth is, is you are the idiot that didn't even ask the question. Um, if you stuck your hand up, um, if you're in a good place, if you're in a good, healthy environment, yeah. um, people will give you an answer. They'll explain you through it and they'll help you out. Um, the other thing I noticed with Kieran, um, uh, and this is something that I, as a coach, want to bring uh, to my game more than anything, was um, I remember watching, and he was he, he's quite a famous coach. He's well-known coach. Um, I watched one of his fighters fight on a show and um, his fighter got like knocked out, like terribly knocked out. And um, uh, he strolled in like, like nothing happens, Mm. like calm as cool as a cucumber. And I remember being like, never with him. Yeah. Like, I don't care what name he has. I was like, I don't want to be his, his students. Never. And, um, and I, but at the same time, when I saw it, I was confused. I was like, maybe this is what coaching's like. Maybe eventually people get like this. And then I remember um, later on that night, one of Kieran's fighters lost, and he didn't lose terribly badly, but he lost. And um, I could remember hearing, and I was in the back of the crowd, clear as day, Kieran coming in, 
head down, apologizing that he didn't do enough for his student and that he was going to go home. He was going to fix everything. Mm. And um, that's something that strikes me in a good gym. You know, if I lose a fight, my teammates are devastated and ask themselves what they did wrong. Um, you know, Shane Smith, my strength and conditioning coach, goes home and he goes, What did I do wrong? Kieran goes home and he goes, What did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. They literally stay up all night trying to figure out what they did wrong. They blame themselves rather than blaming me. And I was the one that was in there doing it all. And when you have a team like that, that when something goes wrong, when someone loses, everybody loses. Yeah. And when someone wins, everybody wins you can't help but succeed when you're in a situation like that um and uh, and i want to grow the same kind of environment uh, in my gym i think you know obviously i've been at kieran's seminars i've trained a couple of times in, in tullamore but martin has trained under kieran for a long time and i i got to see that um in jiu-jitsu competitions with martin that he um Say there's six competing in, a, in an event and, and he'll come back from it. He'll say, well, nobody was getting out of this position or nobody. So then he's taken on that idea. Like you said, what Kieran's doing, he's taken on that. Well, if none of them are doing it, I'm not either not showing it properly. We don't go over enough, whatever it might be. Now we're going to focus on this for the next two weeks and we're going to improve on it. And, you know, like you said, that does make you want to train under someone like that. It, it's the... The, the caring side of, of someone and the idea that a person, a coach can own up to the fact that they didn't cover this aspect and it's not, God, you were terrible, blah, 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 blah. And I think that's really important, which brings me to yourself as a coach, because I know we, we're going to talk about um, the gym that you've opened up this week. I know this will be out a couple of weeks and we'll go back in time. It's kind of like a back to the future situation all the time with this podcast. But how did you find your voice as a coach then? Because obviously you were training MMA for a long time before you became a coach. How did you, um, you know, did you overthink it? Were you anxious about becoming a coach? Um, I was extremely anxious about being a coach. Um, uh, I was always going to be a coach. Mm-hmm. I knew it like at the heart of hearts. So I was like, you know, this is really what I'm going to uh, like, you know, even when I was fighting, I was fighting to be a better coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always had that in mind as something that eventually I wanted to do. I thought I would have to go further in my fighting career to get to the point where I felt happy putting my fighting career to bed a little bit. And, you know, I'm not saying I won't ever fight again, but I'm not going to be fighting as seriously as I was. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, when I was just purely a fighter. Um, I think the relationship between a fighter and a coach is such an interesting one. Um, a fighter is someone who is purely selfish. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think a lot of people put that, you know, just, oh, selfish, rotten. Um, but they're a selfish person because they put everything into being a better person. So they focus everything is on that they eat the right times, they train at the right times, they go to sleep at the right times. And a lot of times, other people around them lose time with them because they're that person. And um, a coach is the reverse of that. A 
coach is someone who gives and pours into another person um, and, and doesn't ask for a whole lot back from that person. Um, and uh, when I was fighting, I was coaching and fighting at the same time. And I found they very, very much conflicted because yeah. when I was in, you know, a fighter mode, I was like, you know, there's part of me that was like, go away and focus on myself. I don't need to answer questions. And then when I was a coach, I just wanted to help everybody. I could, like, you know, if someone came over to me and was like, that technique you showed last week, it worked for me six, seven times. It was amazing. It made everything so much better. And I get like such an uplifting feeling from that. Um, but once I finally decided that I wanted to make that transition from, from fighting uh, to coaching, um, I was very anxious about like, you know, the, 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 the start of it. I was like, you know, I wasn't sure, like, could I make it? I wasn't sure if I had enough money to start, you know, you see, you see what's around you. But one of the big differences, I think, between Kieran and Martin and me is Kieran and Martin didn't have Kieran and Martin. I yeah. do. Yeah. Um, And this has given me a major, like, you know, start straight off the bat. You know, I've seen them put the gym together from square one. I've seen them, you know, struggle when they didn't have that many members and then they had to build their way up and they're a huge success now. Um, but a lot of people see them only as they are now. You know, yeah, they yeah. don't see, um, they don't see like, you know, in, in Tullamore, uh, we were only joking there recently about the fact that there used to be three holes in the wall uh two that chris lunan put straight in the wall <laughs> and uh one that liam mclaughlin tried to hit me with a superman punch jumping off the wall and put his foot straight through yeah. the wall um uh, there was a day the lights went out in the place and we trained literally in the dark with lads with phones turning their light on in their phone wow. just to train we were that desperate to train um and uh and you know we trained when we trained when it wasn't as big as it was it wasn't yeah. as successful as it, as it was and we loved it just as passionately back then as we we do now the only thing that's changed is the drapes the only thing that's changed is the surroundings yeah. and uh and you can like you know you can feel that of kieran you can feel that of martin um uh you know other people that maybe came along later they don't realize that that's where they came from. Um, but when I start, I have that same feeling. It's like, you know, it, it, it is a small start, it's a few mats, putting down, we're training. But everybody in that room is so passionate about martial arts. Incredible. And, uh, and that's something that I would for anything and anybody that does join the days that in 10 years time they're going to be telling stories about um that they were here before it was as big as it was it's it's a brilliant way of looking at it, the, the way you mentioned about you know martin kieran and martin didn't have kieran and martin but you have kieran and martin to talk about and i know that they you know would have given you advice and things it's still for yourself a massive jump to to be you know, to be opening somewhere new. Obviously, it's over. In, it's over in Ballon Slow. Um, your first night, as we're talking, was just last um Wednesday. 
just in the lead up to it, say in the week up to it, how were you feeling? I I judge the direction I go in my life on, based on how much I'm panicking about it. <laughs> if uh, if if I'm not worried, it's not it's not yeah. where I should be. You know, um, you know, if you go and you ask a girl out and you're like, I don't care if she says yes or no, probably shouldn't have asked her. Fair, um, yeah. uh, if uh, if you go to a fight and you're like, if I win or lose, no big deal, mm. probably shouldn't be fighting. If you go to a jujitsu competition, and you're like, let's see how it goes. I don't care probably shouldn't be doing it yeah. um and if you open a business and you're like if it succeeds or it fails i don't mind you shouldn't open that business mm. um i am terrified that it's going to fail all mm. of the time and that means that i know i'm doing the right thing um and uh, and i will always judge my life on that um people are obsessed with comfort and uh, it's honestly, you know, it's the enemy of the grace, you know, being, being comfortable, always talking to the same people, always eating the same food, always uh, passing through the same groups. It's like, it, you know, it holds you back from being the person you really want to be. And I do want to be one of the, you know, one of the greatest coaches that ever lived. And, and, and that's, you know, for me, that might mean something different than what another person thinks a great coach is. Yeah. I think a great coach is someone who genuinely impacts people's lives and makes them better. Um, that might be because I am training someone who's an incredible fighter, which I'm definitely going to be doing. Or that might mean that someone who is nervous and shy, who enters the gym with his eyes down towards the floor and doesn't know how to talk to anybody, that in five, six months, he has a big smile on his face. He's talking to everybody. And on top of that, and I think this is probably one of the most beautiful things about martial arts, he's helping everybody that's uncomfortable in the gym Mm -hmm. feel more comfortable with themselves. So he's going full circle. And it was the same for me when I did martial arts, shy, quiet, didn't know what to do with myself. And now I'm the person that when someone's shy and quiet, I'm like, don't worry about it. I've been there. Mm. Let me show you the way. You know, a lot of times people see you just as you are right now. And they think, oh, Andrew did all of this. It's so incredible. I don't believe I can do it. And then they hear a story, you know, about a nerdy little uh, 12-year-old that started uh, combat sports and they realize, like, my God, like, you know, I had a better start than he did. Of course I can do it, you know. And and I think that's something that's always going to be important as a coach, as a teacher, is making the next generation better, faster than you were meant um uh, and it will always be because you're standing on the shoulders of giants you're standing on the shoulders of people that came before you um and uh and i want to make everybody that comes into my gym not as good as me as a fighter but better than me as a fighter it's a it's a thing we spoke about uh when kieran was on uh he puts himself in these really bad position positions in jiu-jitsu and hopes that he gets out you know, obviously, ho- like hope is probably not the word he used, but in the idea of of this, 
that he puts himself in those positions and knows, well, I might get tapped here or I might mm-hmm. get out, but the whole point is to get better at it. And like, I want to see that one, my, my coach, whoever my coach is, you know, I want to see them get better as well as me get better and for them to progress. Because what I see with, with someone like Martin, who, who's been my coach for six years is he's seen me like at my mental, mental health wise at my absolute lowest, my absolute highest, um, you know, all the stuff in between with, with anxiety and the stuff that happens outside the gym, which you bring in and you tell your coach because they're almost like a therapist too. And, you know, and they're like a, they're a friend, they're a therapist, they're a coach, they're a doctor. <laughs> they're all these things that they could be. And, and they take that on with everyone. Like when you look, look outside, obviously you see yourself going to your coach talking, I'm having a terrible day, whatever, you know, I lost my keys, whatever it might be. Everybody's doing the same thing to them. So they're taking on this role of, of all these kind of, outside problems and like we're looking up to to you Andrew like to be like a problem solver in other aspects but what I think even just chatting to you now for the last 40 minutes whatever is like I would think that would you'd be an exceptional person for that coach or otherwise you know I think you'd be an exceptional person to approach about look I'm I'm Andrew today I'm just having a like a really tough day and I'm, and I'm struggling like I would put my faith in you, like just listen to you talk about that because you're obviously someone who thinks deeply about it. Um, does that outside thing not worry you, but like make you think like I have to always be continuing my own developments, you know, in my head, you know, not just kickboxing and fighting because you know that these younger people will, will there's no way around it. Like they'll look up to you. Yeah, um, I do think, that a lot of times when I'm learning a new technique, when I'm improving or I'm training myself, I am training for my future students, my, mm-hmm. you know, that maybe I've not haven't even met you yet, but I'm trying to get better for you. Um, but something that I think is really important for people to understand, because I think a lot of times people put coaches up on a pedestal is, is like, you know, we're exceptionally ordinary people. Yeah. Um, uh, and I think sometimes they're the people you need more than anything else. Because if you do feel like that person is out of your reach, that person, you'll never be able to be like that person. Um, that will hold you back from striving to be better. Um, and I always think of that with, uh, you know, my grandfather, my grandfather was a big, you know, influence on, on me when I was younger. Uh, he was a farmer, he was a hard worker, he, he worked until like, you know, the day he passed away. Um, and he was someone that was absolutely completely ordinary, you know, mm. there's nothing nothing extraordinary about what he did, but what he did do is from a very young age, is he let, uh, a young boy know that a man was someone that took care of his people, that looked after his people and worked hard. And those two things sound so ordinary to so many people, but if he wasn't there when he was there, um, I don't know how I would have turned out. Um, And I think a coach needs to mimic that to other people. He needs to let people know that, He's just like you. He's suffering through all the same things you're suffering through, or he has suffered through all the things you've suffered through so that you feel comfortable and open enough to bring those problems to that person. Yeah. Um, 
martial arts is something that brings a lot of people together of a lot of different personalities and um and while a lot of times it can feel like a mess it's a beautiful beautiful mess yeah Um, i wouldn't change it for anything so how was the first week then with actually in the gym how did you get on so the first week was incredible the first wednesday i was panicked i was nervous about everything um there was great numbers it was over 20 people there and uh and we got some really good training and introduced a lot of people to martial arts um but like a lot of things like what i expected is um the first day is going to be madness (laughs) the second day is going to be the day where you see you know you see the real martial artists in the group you see the people who were really passionate about this. And uh, the second day we had eight people in, in the gym, but every single person was there was a pleasure, a pleasure to teach. Um, they were uh, they were passionate about everything they were showed. Their minds were blown by all these techniques that, you know, maybe they'd seen in a fight, but they never really understood why they worked. And yeah. I was someone like that when I was younger. I was very curious and didn't, I wanted to know, you know, I didn't want to know like what was happening. I wanted to know why it was happening. Yeah. I wanted to understand why it all happened like that. And, um, uh, and uh, that, that, you know, that feeling, you know, I, I always say, um, I always say to, to, to people that I'm around, I always say I'm feeling good whenever, uh, whenever I know I'm in the right place. Yeah. Like, and 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 Friday was the first day that I was like, there's no place in this entire world that if you offered me to be anywhere else, I need to be here. Mm. And that's so important to me. And uh, and I knew I was doing the right thing on Friday. I just knew I was. Um, I was talking to your mom. I hope she doesn't mind me mentioning it. <laughs> but yeah. she's she's started training uh, on a Monday over with us. But obviously mm. I wanted to ask her how you were you know, how are you getting on? You know, I was talking to her Monday and stuff and she said something that you, you said to her and I kind of sums it up uh, really well. I think that you just said that as long as the rent and everything else is covered after that, you know, that was the, the that was the main, the, once that bits out of the way, you just wanted people to come in and, and learn. And, yeah. you know, it, it is a massive step for you to go from, like we mentioned, uh, to go from, oh, you obviously were teaching over until more to start in your own place. And I, um, I can't imagine, uh, myself doing it, but that's not to say like, I'm not going to be one of those people who say I couldn't do it because people will say, of course you could. And of course, you know, it's not about me like talking about that, but it's the idea of standing up there in front of people. Um, it's can be, it can be daunting anyway. And mm-hmm. I know that I've seen you talk before on say, uh, on channels on YouTube before a fight. And <laughs> I, I've, I've always loved watching it because you've, you're on one side of the screen and your opponents on the other and your opponent might be doing the whole, maybe Conor McGregor influenced talk, you know, that kind of thing. And you're on the other side just saying, well, I'm going to go in there and I'm better than him. So I'm just going to beat him. And it's not like flamboyant or anything like that, but your sense of your, your sense of assurity in it, like your, the way you deliver it. And this kind of goes into from, this sounds like this start of when you were 10 years old, that mm-hmm. you were kind of figuring this stuff out. And yeah. it's, that's amazing to me because a lot of the time, 
a lot of us are docent when we're <laughs> 10 years old. Do you know what I mean? But you were already figuring out what you were and um, like you said, what you want to be. And now you've like, you've achieved this kind of thing. Can you allow yourself to feel comfortable at any point? Um, like for me, for me, I think comfort gets old really quickly. You know, yeah. I, I, I always think of like when, when you're training, um, I'm sure most people who train regularly, who train really hard, like I do probably feel the same way. Um, uh, maybe you get sick or something mm. and you go, you know, you have a good reason not to train and you go, phew and you sit down and you relax and then uh for the first like day or maybe even two days you go isn't this great get to watch some netflix get to chill out you know uh, take things easy watch a few videos and then day three hits and you go this isn't for me like he's like i can't wait till i get better i'm so frustrated like why am i not you know constantly progressing and i think one of the things that a lot of people, you know, will understand is that, like, if if you're not improving, if you're not striving or feeling like you're getting better at something, whatever that might be, whether that be, you know, music, whether that be fighting, whether that be, you know, art um, or a business, you you feel like all of your rest is for nothing mm. rest only feels like rest when it's after a hard day's yeah. work um you know you can only take a rest on a sunday when you work the rest of the week um uh if if not then it's not a rest it's your life yeah. and i never want to be that person that uh you know that 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 sit back i want to be the person who leads from the front lines who um who doesn't shout and bark orders from from the back telling people what to do i want to be the person that jumps in and inspires my students that um that shows them what they what they can be shows them why these techniques work because a lot of a lot of what being a martial arts coach is is instilling confidence in people you know when you teach a technique if i teach it and i tell you this is really good and it works sometimes, but like probably won't work for you. Like mm. you're, you're not even going to try it. Yeah. You're, you're, you're going to like, you're going to go halfway through it. And you're going to give up. Yeah. If I go, I've tried this at every level of competition and I've caught every color belt under the sun. Um, and, uh, and I've grinded away and proven not just to you, but to myself that this works. So, this is the way I do it. You're going to come away going like, I'm going to fight to nail for that. Yeah. This works. You know, I believe in this. Absolutely. Uh, um, so if someone was listening to this now, um, and it's important to say young or old, because I think, you know, people think, oh, it's a, it's a young man's game, this fighting monarchy. And it's, I know that you teach jiu-jitsu for an hour and then you teach kickboxing for an hour. Is that right? So, yeah. so I, I think the, it's good to, get across the point now I started when I was 35 and I only do jiu-jitsu because I thought I'm not getting punched in the face I just I don't have any real need for it now I've avoided it for 35 years <laughs> I well I did I got a couple of punches in the face but I I am um, that was my own fault but I just it's important for for 
jujitsu on my side, and you can tell me from kind of MMA and kickbox from the other side that if you're 35, 40, whatever it is, jujitsu is like a perfect sport because I think the idea that you can pick your own game plan, you can, you know, you can have like, I'll go in there and there'll be some young lad with so much more energy than me and so much more flexibility, speed, and yeah, world. just <laughs> doing cartwheels over me and stuff. And, and I can sit there and think that's fine for the first two minutes, but then I'm going to get you. Yeah. And, and I think that's, it's, it's so important because young people are going to, will always be drawn to MMA. I think, I think it's, it's particularly like something that people, you know, it's such, it's so popular now as well. Obviously that's one of the reasons, but also it's kind of a primal kind of activity, you know, that we want to get involved in, whether it's jujitsu or, or kickboxing. But I just think I can't talk about jujitsu enough for the, for the mental health benefits that I've had with regards to, and you'll, you'll know this, Andrew, if you're in a five minute role, there's nothing happening apart from that role. And that's the only time I felt that in the past 20 years was when I was hypnotized by a guest I had on. And that was amazing. And I, I didn't believe in that stuff. And all of a sudden I was like, that, that was weird. But in jujitsu for those five minutes, anxiety departs like, because you're not like anxious within the role in training. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I want to catch the person. I don't want to be caught. And that's basically what it boils down to. And you want to get, obviously you want to get better in the roles and stuff. But all I wanted was anxiety to go at some point. Mm-hmm. And every time I roll and every day I'm in there, it goes like it's, I can't recommend it enough. Yeah. Yeah. You're feeling good. Yeah. You know you're in the right place. You know yeah. you're doing the right thing. In that moment, you wouldn't be anywhere else. You're not thinking about anything else. Not worried about taxes when <laughs> you're in the middle of a role. Um, I, I I will try to convince you. Uh, oh, good. Yeah. I, I will say um, you definitely should do kickboxing. Okay, uh, let's if go. You haven't done it. Uh, the first thing I'll say to you is... Um, people that limit themselves by you know oh i can't handle such Mm -hmm. you couldn't handle a lot of what was in jiu-jitsu before you did jiu-jitsu yeah and and now you look back at yourself and you're like my god wasn't i so ridiculous that i thought that about myself like i'm so i'm such a stronger person than i gave myself credit um the second thing i'll say to you about getting hit is uh, there is ways to work around getting hit, but I'll be honest, I have never got hit harder in jujitsu than I <laughs> ever have been uh, kickboxing. Um, you know, elbows astray, knees yeah. astray. Honestly, I you know I don't get hit that hard in, in kickboxing. Um, if you're with the right coach, and Martin most certainly is the right coach, um, uh, you definitely can do that, and I would ho- highly encourage you to do it. I will say to everybody that and I implore you to it and I don't care if you're close to Banslow and you want to train with me or if you know you're in Dublin and you want to train in CMAC in Dublin or if you're in England and you want to train somewhere in England no matter where you are in the world martial arts will change your life and make them better you should do it I don't care what age you are um I don't care if you're male or if you're female I don't care if you're awkward or confident um uh it will make your life better um the first day is the hardest day it's the day that struggle with more than anything else um every day after it gets better if you do your first day and you kind of like it, 
well, strapping because you're going to love it once it gets that bit, bit better every single day afterwards. And it does, honestly, it gets better every single day that you do it. Um, the first day you come in and you don't know, you know, your elbow from your knee and people are explaining stuff to you and you're like, you are you expect me to know all these calls yeah. that you're throwing out to me um, and then give it a few weeks and you feel like a completely different person afterwards. Um, martial arts changed my life and, and honestly, I'm not sure I'd be here if, if it wasn't for martial arts. Um, and uh, I've seen it change so many people's lives in so many incredible ways um i think it's one of the most powerful tools we have um uh, to make people's lives better um and i i honestly truly suggest it for every single person and the 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 people in martial arts are like the soundest and coolest people i think what my idea would have been would you know I would have been influenced by outside sources, you know, whether it's on TV or, or whatever it might have been in films. And the idea that it was all macho and everybody had a big ego. And, you know, uh, if you went in there, someone's going to slap you around on the first day and everything about any idea I had of it was incorrect. Like it couldn't have been further from the truth with the idea that everybody was nice. Everybody wanted you to help or everybody wanted to help, but also, I don't know if you did this. I used to say this the whole time when I was in there. I'd say like, oh, no, I'm holding, I'm holding, I'm holding someone back. Or, you know, if I was drilling with someone and I was, wasn't getting the, the, the technique, I'd be like, and everybody was like, but we've all been in this situation. It's yeah, yeah. just normal. Yeah. It's like nobody expects you to come in and pull off, you know, a rear naked choke first day and, and you're done. Well, I know that bit now. I don't need to go back. It's a bit more complicated than that. But, but the idea as well as kickboxing, because I thought then, well, the jujitsu lads are sound and the kickboxing fellas must be the ones that are like, you know, the, the ego uh, and the big tough yeah, guy. Yeah. And it was angry, steroid yeah. heads. <laughs> yeah, like they were all just going to kill each other. And then I watched uh, a drill um, sparring session and it was art. Playing and laughing with each other. Yeah. But, yeah, but yeah. like you said, it's art. Like that, the movement of being able to connect with people like, fist foot whatever it might be but holding them you know you're not actually smacking the people around the place it's there's an art to that in itself but just watching how people moved around the mats you know and you know helped each other as well because there was obviously people who knew people in there it's an amazing community community to be part of and like you said like i don't know where i'd be without it now you know back when i was 35 i was like let's do something new i've got to get out of this terrible depression that i'm in and like my friend said, go in there and see what it's like. And it took me three months to be convinced to actually get in the door. But, you know, like you said, shorter it, than a lot of people, to be honest. Yeah, yeah um, well, that's true. Uh, but most look, people it, take years. Yeah, um, they do. And But like like you said, if, if people are in Banslow's and this, head down to Andrew and, and just experience it. Like, because as you said, Andrew, even if you just like it a little bit, you know, go back, you go back the second day and things will start opening up then. And when you get your first technique right and you're like, oh, that was amazing. And you get like your first submission and you, or they get, you roll with a, a color belt and you don't get tapped. Everything's like this little thing of progression that you yeah. see. You don't see that in, in regular, like in inverted commas, regular life where we're just walking around. You don't see those kind of improvements, you know. Um, I did want to ask you this because I've asked everybody who's come on, who's done MMA and, you know, both of the 
all the different arts within the martial arts. Do you prefer stand up or, or on the ground? Like, if you had like, to choose now, I know you can. I know Andrew, you can just say I love both, but that's that's a no, cop out. Like it, it's he it, it called me out straight, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> straight live. They um, do it all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, um, like asking, uh, like that 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 feels like showing me a painting and asking yeah. which is your favorite color. But that's what um, I want to know, though. Yeah, uh, like <laughs> I, I the thing I find uh, so interesting about martial arts is for two weeks I'll be obsessed with jujitsu and it'll be all I can think of, and I'll do a bit of striking just to keep it together, and then I'll get bored with jujitsu, and then the next two weeks all I can think about is kickboxing, mm-hmm. and then the next two weeks all I'll be able to think about is wrestling, and it's the only thing that's been able to actually keep my attention. Because if I was to do something, if I was to join a boxing gym, I would be bored out of my mind yeah. after six or seven months. Um, there's no end to martial arts. Mm. Me and you both know that if we were to sit here and pretend that we knew even half of the techniques that are yeah. in martial arts, uh, we would be boasting, uh, you know, incredibly high. We we far from that know that. And there's no black belt that's going to tell you that. There's no UFC champion that's going to tell you that. Um, uh, martial arts is, is beautiful as a, as, as a yeah. whole. And um, I don't see them separately. Yeah. Um, and it's why it actually kind of breaks my heart sometimes when I hear people say, um, I can only strike. I can only yeah. do jujitsu. Um, uh, I'm like, it, they're so different and they're the same. Like they're, 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 if you, you get to go back, like I'm jealous of you right now. You get to go back and you get to experience the beginning of a martial arts journey. Yeah. When you start kickboxing all over again. Well, we'll Excellent. see you, Andrew. We're not, let's not book my first section just yet. I've already booked it. I've already, I'm texting Martin right now. He knows. He knows <laughs> but, And if you come down to me, you're going to have to do at least one. <laughs> that is true, actually. No, I've, I've already promised your mother that I'll be down. So there you go. But, but I want to like, I think that's the reason I asked the question, though, because I only know one of them. Hmm. And I think I want you to say ground. Because then it will prove that I'm doing the right. You know, I'm only copying this on now because you, the way you broke that down. So I, I think that's the reason. Because I, when I watched UFC, I wanted to go to the ground because then I'm like, now I understand what's going on. And you know the kind of rise of the re- wrestling in in UFC over the last couple of years. Now was always there, obviously. But then you see someone like Khabib and 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 um, Makachev and those boys. And you see like, oh, yeah, that that's the reason that the, the ground stuff is better. They want to get at the ground. But obviously it's not true. Like, But in my mind, I'm creating this narrative that oh, the groundwork, it's it's the only thing that matters. But I know I do know what you mean. When you break it down like that, I'm seeing it's sep- two separate things. And it's a, it's a tough. Uh, it's like asking you, like, if you had two children, which is your favorite. And it's a bit and like Sophie's choice kind of a thing. And that's a bit cruel. But Andrew. Something we always ask as well, like, what do you like to do in your spare time when you when you do get to relax from from martial arts? I there there, there is nothing else. <laughs> Genuinely, there is 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 nothing else. Um, 
But do you I, like? Uh, I, because I drive, I drive my family nuts okay. because I watch martial arts videos on double speeds to try to to <laughs> try to learn quicker than I was before to get a through them. Of, yeah, a lot of the stuff is repeatable for me because I obviously know so much about martial arts as it is. But then every now and again, I hit on that golden nugget that I go, my God, that was the thing. Um, when I rest and recover, um, I like, you know, I, I remember one of one of my fighters, Ronan, was laughing at me because I was burnt out after his fight. And I, I hit the bed and he saw me lying down watching boxing videos uh, on double speed. And he was like, that's how you relax. And I was like, genuinely, like, that's how I relax. Like, I don't, there are times where you have to turn your mind off and you have to do something else. But something that I think homeschooling has done for me is that I don't actually believe in work. I don't right. see things as work. Um, uh, there's a, a brilliant book on um, uh, how to raise a genius. Uh, it's uh, it's about someone who who believed that geniuses were were raised that they weren't born. Okay, um, and uh, he raised um, three daughters that were all uh, high level chess champions, um, and. Uh, one of the things he speaks on in the book in huge detail is that he never makes his daughters feel like chess is a chore they have to do to get something else. Chess is something that you do because you love doing it. And you would think that someone being so obsessed with one subject would make that person um, limited. But if you actually look at the three girls, you'll see that they have so much else going on in their life that they're really, really, really proficient in. Because if you are brilliant at one thing, if you if you learn the process of learning, it's very easy to transfer to everything else in your life. Um, and I'm sure you know that maybe you've gone through the process of how you learn jujitsu and then you apply it to podcasting yeah. or you learned it for podcasting and you applied it to jujitsu um there isn't as much separating these things as a lot of people think um and um uh, that that that's the way i believe in it i don't see martial arts as something that i have to work on i see it as a pleasure i don't see coaching as something don't i like my gym, me opening a gym is not a job. It's a yeah. passion project. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's something that I am pouring money into. And every bit of money that I get out, I'm going to pour straight back yeah, into yeah. it. I'm not putting it in my pocket. I don't have any interest in putting it in my pocket. Um, because this is all that I want to do. Um, and I think the people who are blessed enough to find that thing in their life that they were made for and I was made to be a coach um will understand that that's once you once you find that path there's nothing else I mean if people don't go down to the gym now after this conversation I don't know come on but like where can people find you Andrew obviously in person but also on your social media and stuff like that 
Yes. So um, uh, uh, Andrew Barrett on uh, Instagram and uh, the King's Court Academy is uh, the gym's name. So I, I will highly suggest to, to follow that. Um, even if you're just going to drop down for a night, yeah. you just want to see what it's like. Um, uh, again, I, I, I always say, please, please don't judge a book by its cover. Don't look at martial arts or what you think martial arts is or watch a single UFC fight and then convince yourself that that's what training is like. Yeah, They're very, very different things. And I don't think there's a man, woman or child who shouldn't be doing it. Um, and uh, uh, like, please, if you have any questions, get in contact with me. I'll be more than happy to get back to you. Um, my my dream is to get as many people into martial arts as I can. Um, uh, so I'm more than willing and happy to help anybody out that I can. Absolutely. And I, I think that's a really important point to make is like, go down for a night and see how it is. Cause that's, the, you're all, you're going to have these preconceived notions about MMA, uh, martial arts, jujitsu, whatever it might be. You won't know until you actually go there and take part in an actual session to see, and you'll probably end up loving it. Andrew, you've been a, a fantastic guest. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you for letting me on and thank you for giving me an opportunity to get the word out. Oh, absolutely. Listen, hang on if you don't mind. We always do this little thing where I close it out. We get a photo just for the promo stuff. And I'll be able to put up the, you know, um, King's Court Academy, all that stuff on Instagram as well, like to get it to get it out there when we're doing the episode. But uh, let me close this out. I want to also say thanks to John Francis for his uh, technical abilities as every uh, week he manages to get the stuff. That one week where I tried to do it myself without his help because he was getting married. Shambles. Um, I want to say thanks to my mum, my dad, my granddad, all, as always, Jaron Calvin for the for the logo and the music. Um, we're on YouTube. Subscribe, subscribe if you would. Facebook, Instagram and X. I think I'll come off X. Uh, we're also on Spotify, Apple, Anchor, Google Podcasts, all the podcast um, yeah, platforms and all that. Andrew, once again, thanks a lot. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, everyone else, see you next week. Take care. Bye.